people were starting to lose faith in the rainmaker, which is what I was. You know, I could take zero to 40 million, you know, or I could take zero to 8 million, or I could take, you know, Levi Strauss's new divisions from, you know, X to Y. Well, I couldn't do that anymore. I'm Elaine Grant. And I'm Dr. Matt Winia, and this is Hard Call, the podcast that follows true patient stories and asks you to weigh in on some of the most difficult decisions any of us will ever face about our health care. We've been following the story of Jeff Zinn, who in his 40s was a driven, successful fashion industry executive. He'd suffered a manic episode, been involuntarily hospitalized, and diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But he'd gone right back to work after leaving the hospital. Yeah, and despite his illness and the trauma of having been hospitalized against his will, he was still a successful businessman at work. At his height, Jeff Zinn was earning a salary of... $350,000 salary plus $31,000 in IRA plus a bonus at the end of the year and a car. As the guy who could start new fashion companies in Manhattan's garment district. Plus a hefty expense account, which he took total advantage of. I'll never forget the time that this guy who owned the company brought me into his office and he said, Jeff, I have to ask you a question. I said, okay. He says, you know, you've done well. You've taken the company from a million to three and a half million for their special size division. But I've got to ask you, why is your sushi account more expensive to us than your salary? Remember, people with bipolar disorder often do very risky things, um, and they have grandiose thoughts. So in Jeff's case... Well, I mean, you could say Jeff just couldn't handle money. At all. Part of his mania had been giving away money right and left. Remember this? Yeah, am I crazy? Am I really crazy? I'm possessed. I'm possessed by God. Because once I opened up the heart, and once I gave that $100,000, which you make tenfold, and I'm going to keep giving, and I'm going to keep giving, and every day I'm giving. Today I gave $10 to this person, 20% of that, 30 to this person. I give to everyone, and it ain't going to stop. It ain't going to stop till either I'm broke or I'm the richest man in the universe. So after his diagnosis, he started seeing a Manhattan psychiatrist, spending about $1,000 a month on appointments. That's out of pocket. His psychiatrist didn't take insurance, like about half of all psychiatrists. In the last episode, we departed from Jeff's story a bit to ask you to vote on whether, if you were a psychiatrist, you would take insurance or not. So we're not going to tell you the results. You can go to our website, hardcallshow.org, and you can see how people are voting in real time. And if you haven't weighed in yet, you can still vote. So back to Jeff's story. In episode two, after his diagnosis, Jeff wanted to tell his biggest customers that he'd been in the hospital and why. I was not the same person. My personality, at least in my mind, had changed dramatically. And I knew or I felt I would be asked, what's wrong, Jeff? Holding a lie while you're sitting across from somebody selling them, they would have picked up on something. In our last episode, we learned that actually Jeff did tell his biggest customers about his illness. And he said the results were 
great. His largest customer put in her biggest order ever for several million dollars worth of Rebecca Jones garments. Yeah, so Jeff is feeling vindicated, like he's still got the magic touch. Unfortunately, things don't stay that way. The stress is really building in all parts of Jeff's life. Things are especially tense at home, where Nancy, Jeff's wife, is feeling tortured. Jeff was so cruel to me and and mean. And it's just funny how someone who's mentally ill now and about helping people was so mean to me and screaming at me constantly. Now, Jeff, he feels tortured by her, too. She um, starts screaming, you're an idiot. You know, how could this possibly be? You know, why would you even think of this? You're stupid, you know. And that was a norm for her. She never trusted me. On top of going home to a battlefield every night, uh, Jeff is grieving over his diagnosis. And he's also struggling to be without the experience, the, the feeling of mania. There's nothing like it. It feels superhuman. Because now he's on lithium, which keeps his mania in check, but it leaves him... Suffering from depression. Nothing could make me happy. And that depression... It's playing havoc with his work life. I was not stable. In other words, I had four jobs in three years. And the word of his instability is getting out. It became much more difficult to bring in those same buyers. They would not come in until it got to a point where, you know, there was very few that I had left. because of how difficult that garment center is. And my role in particular was to start new companies became so immeasurably impossible because people were starting to lose faith in the rainmaker, you know, which is what I was. You know, I could take zero to 40 million, you know, or I could take zero to 8 million, or I could take... You know, Levi Strauss's new divisions from, you know, X to Y. Well, I couldn't do that anymore. Jeff is commuting by car and train from their big house in the New Jersey suburbs more than an hour each way. And for him, this commute is getting to be really hard. And in those moments, you have a lot of time to reflect. So when I would come home, particularly after maybe even a normal even or a kind of a bad day, I would drive the 30 minutes to the train or back from the train, and I would think of taking the wheel and turning it into, you know, either traffic or off the road. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our funding partners who make this series possible. We'd like to introduce you to an organization we're pretty fond of, one of our funders, Community First Foundation. For more than 40 years, Community First Foundation has been helping donors and nonprofits improve quality of life across Colorado's front range. You may have already heard of the foundation's signature program, ColoradoGives.org, which has changed the landscape of giving in Colorado. In 2016, ColoradoGives.org raised almost $34 million on Colorado Gives Day, 
the largest online giving movement in the state. In 2014, they conducted a community listening tour, and the community identified mental wellness as one of their most important concerns. So their grants now are focused on early childhood mental wellness, improving the systems that support mental wellness, and changing the public perception of mental health and mental illness. Jeff Zinn has gone from the height of success in New York's garment district to a really low point. He's not manic anymore. Now he's depressed. And while he's still making piles of money, the piles are getting smaller. Four years after his diagnosis with bipolar disorder. I was making $250,000 plus um, a car and profit sharing. But he's scared, scared that the stress will ultimately kill him. If not from another manic episode, or even from his suicidal thoughts, then from what's happening to his body under the weight of the stress and depression. I had gained 30 pounds. I was starting to develop um, physical ailments that I never had before, such as gout, um, high blood pressure, it got to a point where, along with my marriage, I had no happiness, just stress. And so he came to a decision. He didn't want to work anymore. He thought he couldn't work anymore. I couldn't think outside the box. I was too far in it. You know, I was in the hole. I was in the blackness of that box. I, I didn't see a light. I only saw darkness. And... Uh, I couldn't get out. I couldn't fight my way out of that box. The only way I knew how to escape was to go on disability. In hindsight, it seems hard to believe. Here was a guy who lived in a suburban mansion. And he loves the trappings of success, right? Not to mention the big grand gestures. He brings home a two-seater Mercedes. And I walked up to Donald Trump and I said, Mr. Trump, would you give away $100,000 before he even started a company? From the time he was little, his work is what had defined him as a success. I used to... Uh, go around selling pencils. Um, and then I, at the age of 15, sold uh, Britannica encyclopedias. Then I was selling fire alarms. It was called Vulcan fire alarms, um, door to door. He hadn't succeeded in school, and his family life growing up became a mess after his parents' divorce. As a young man, he'd been lost. The only anchor he had was his work. He'd created his identity around it, around being an entrepreneur around being the guy who could make big things happen. He could sell shit to anybody. He could sell ice to the Eskimos. And now he's thinking he should stop working to survive on disability payments, so knowing his compensation would be slashed uh, less than a quarter of what it used to be. Looked at through that lens, the idea of Jeffson still close to the height of his success voluntarily giving up work is just hard to believe. Yeah, but that's from the outside looking in. From the perspective of someone suffering from bipolar disorder, it made more sense. 
Jeff went to his psychiatrist and asked her to recommend that he stop working. He'd need her to do that so he could qualify for disability insurance. Whether she should say yes or no, we're leaving that up to you to decide. But she had known him and his struggles for several years now, so she understood how he was feeling and why. It was a level of stress that he was unable to handle, and it would have made him uh, sick. His wife, on the other hand, Nancy did not understand this decision. I received a phone call from his wife, and she was uh, angered. Um, She had married a successful businessman, and she was afraid for herself and for her family. And how were they going to make a living? We don't have much actual tape about this decision from Jeff's interview archives. Here's how the conversation played out on the hard call stage with actress Suzanne Connors Neppy playing Jeff's wife, Nancy. Her dialogue comes from his recollections. Dr. McKinney, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Really? Disability? Do you understand what kind of humongous, unbelievable repercussions that'll have on our family? The, the image of what, why he'd have to take disability would come out in the community. We'd all be affected by that. He would be. Second of all, you have him at home by himself, not doing anything when the man thrives on the, the, the thrill of the sale and, and life. He would go actually crazy at home. And that would impact my children and me. So Nancy obviously is worried about the money and worried about having Jeff around the house all day. From her perspective, he was always angry ready to blow up at a moment's notice. She was suffering from panic disorder. And she was always scared. I lived in constant fear. In her recollection, in fact, the only reason she'd been staying with him is because of the kids and because she took their marriage vows seriously. I couldn't leave because I made that commitment. Sickness and health. I I never cheated. I never committed adultery of any kind. I never left him, but he destroyed my life. Jeff wants to go on disability because he says his work is killing him. But for Nancy, the thought of having him around all day, every day, that is just too much to bear. Well, furthermore, she didn't believe that he couldn't work. She thought he just didn't want to. Which is actually the crux of the problem for people, doctors typically burdened with the responsibility to decide who is disabled and who isn't. Are they really sick? What does it mean to be disabled anyway? Especially with an illness that's not obvious, that comes and goes that can be hidden. Disability is a really diverse uh, group of people. It's very difficult to measure, right? Each disability has its own implications for uh, functioning, the way individuals function, both mentally and physically. And also that influences uh, individuals' ability to, um, uh, to do certain tasks at work. That's Andrew Houghtonville the research director at the Institute on Disability at the University of New Hampshire. So there is no one single measure of disability. And disability, because of bipolar disorder, is especially hard to measure because... It's sporadic. You know, it's, it, it comes and goes. 
you know. Other disabilities, you know, they're very consistent. Blindness rarely changes. So first, there's the really tough question of whether or not Jeff should be considered disabled, literally unable to work. And that's not just a problem for Jeff or Nancy. That's a problem for all of society. There's always stories of fraud and there's anecdotal evidence of fraud. Um, but the extent of it is, is something that I've never seen investigated. There are lots of anecdotal stories. I've seen video of a man who qualified for disability for back pain and then was caught lugging 50-pound bags of concrete from Home Depot. Uh, and, you know, these stories of people going out and playing golf after they were declared disabled are disconcerting to a lot of folks. And yet, no one actually has been able to document exactly how much or how little disability fraud there really is. What Andrew Houghtonville will say about Nancy's concern that Jeff is faking it and that he won't do well if he stays home is this. But of course, when I you asked me to be on this uh, podcast, I didn't realize I was going to help solve a marital dispute. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to, you know, get involved in, in Jeffrey and his wife's marriage by telling uh, uh, definitively that one is right and one is wrong. I think the key is being active overall, whether you're on the programs or not. Um, uh, and work is an important component of life. Uh, if you're a person that works from home, or uh, has spent you know, time home working from home, you realize how isolating it can be, and that's not for everybody. So this actually gets us to the second big dilemma. Even if he is disabled right now and might benefit from some time off work, is he permanently disabled? This, this raises the huge dilemma facing not just Jeff, but his psychiatrist. Would it help Jeff or hurt him in the long run to be declared disabled right now. To understand this, you have to know that policy wonks and economists like Andrew Houghtonville have a term they use that's practically interchangeable with the American disability insurance system. It's called the poverty trap. So public safety net disability payments come from two sources, supplemental security income, or SSI. And you're really hovering just above poverty if you're on that program, depending on the cost of living in your area. And the Social Security Disability Insurance Program, which as a working person you pay into, and then later, if you become disabled, you'll get some money as an earnings replacement. And it's not that generous. Those two programs together make up what most people call the disability system. So if it's you and you're hovering just above poverty, you might say, well, maybe I'll just work a little on the side. Yeah, go get a job at Home Depot or Starbucks or something that's right. less but stressful. Sorry, if you make even just a little too much, you get thrown out of the program altogether. Of course, the original designers of the disability system back in the 30s, I'm sure they never intended to keep people poor. Well, I'm sure they presumably wanted to give people incentives to get off disability and go back to work where, where they would make more money. The trouble is the number of people who get on disability and then ever get off it and go back to work is... My sense is it's pretty close to zero. And so the current programs um, have been called a poverty trap because once you're in them, it's difficult to get out. 
Matt, you looked pretty alarmed when you learned about this. You said to Andrew Houghtonville that it made you wonder... My threshold for signing off on disability paperwork should probably be higher than it is right now because I was unaware that when I, when I authorize someone to enter the disability system, that's a one-way ticket to a life of poverty forever. And now I'd like to thank one of our generous funders, the Colorado Health Foundation. The foundation is singularly focused on helping Coloradans live their healthiest lives by advancing opportunities to pursue good health and achieve health equity through grant making, policy and advocacy, strategic private investments, and convening to drive change. For more information, please visit www.coloradohealth.org. And now, back to our story. Okay, listeners, your hard call is coming up, and we're sure you've figured it out. You'll have to decide if you were Jeff's psychiatrist, would you say he's disabled or not? But first, let's recap. So now that you know about the poverty trap, you might be thinking maybe Jeff would be better off just sticking it out. I mean, a lot of people hate their jobs, but they find something about them that allows them to endure. And he's really just asking for more financial hardship, even outright poverty, for him, for Nancy, for their children, if he chooses or is allowed to go on disability. Yeah, but remember, Jeff is sometimes suicidal. It's getting harder and harder for him to close sales or even schedule sales calls. His Garmin District colleagues are starting to avoid him. And it was the relationships with his tribe that he thrived on. Yeah, so it's sad because now he detests going to work. Um, He's gaining weight, too. He's getting physically sick. He's scared he's going to be involuntarily hospitalized again. So at this point, he's really sure that he'll be happier and healthier without the stress of work. But the ethical question for the psychiatrist here is this. Jeff has this illness, which is largely defined by his experience of it. So it's not like an amputated leg, which is obvious to everyone. So the psychiatrist can test him for bipolar disorder, but there's no test that proves his bipolar disorder makes him unable to work. So should Jeff just be able to say, hey, I'm disabled because I say I'm disabled by this illness? Or should the psychiatrist say, look, I know you believe you're disabled, but your wife doesn't agree. And what's more, you do not really appreciate the risk of going on disability. Yeah, so that would be pretty paternalistic of the psychiatrist to say that. But remember, this is the same psychiatrist who forcibly admitted Jeff to a hospital against his will. Right. And after all, Jeff has a mental illness, and by definition, he may not be thinking very clearly. Yeah, so the ethical balance here is between patient autonomy. Letting Jeff make the decision. Right, and beneficence doing what's best for Jeff, even if that's not what Jeff wants right now. And that might mean telling Jeff, sorry, you might think you're disabled, but suck it up. You'll be better off in the long run if you stick it out at work. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, suck it up might not be exactly how the psychiatrist (laughs) would say it. Probably But yeah, that's the basic dilemma. So listeners, if you were Jeff's psychiatrist, in all seriousness... Would you state that he is disabled and recommend that he stop working and qualify for disability or not? Go to our website, hardcallshow.org, and vote. And thanks, as always, for being with us. That's our show for today. 
This podcast was produced by me, Elaine Grant, and Dr. Matt Winia. Tyler Hill is our associate producer. We received help from Charles Packard, executive producer of the Aurora Fox Arts Theater in Aurora, Colorado, and from our humanities team, Drs. Abraham Nussbaum, Philip Joseph, Lisa Karanen, and Kristen Oster. The music was composed by Chris McClung. Special thanks to funders for the Derailed series, the Colorado Health Foundation, and Community First Foundation. Oh, and please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts and subscribe. And leave us a review. That'll help other listeners discover Hard Call. On the next episode of Hard Call... Did anyone ever say to me, Jeff, are you interested in recovering from your illness? Do you want to go back to work? Do you want to set some goals here? How could we improve your life?